Oh, man, I kind of want to save this for a future episode, but what's your least favorite video game magazine ad? That's impossible because uh, yeah. I've, I've just looked at about 3,000 video game magazines. They're all so bad. Yeah, I always think about that Gauntlet Legends one. Like, bad news, one of you is going to have to be the girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, Probably all the ones we would come up with would be the misogynistic ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are definitely least favorite, but there's some pretty bizarre ones. Nintendo in Australia had a campaign that was Game Boy, more fun than a ferret down your trousers. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, the ferret trouser one. It's legendary, yeah. Jerry. It's a picture of a ferret going down a guy's trousers. You can't see the guy's facial expression. No, you can. You can. You can? Yes, he is screaming, uh, but you can't tell what kind of scream it is. Oh, Do you think man. the ad company just had that on tap for just whoever their next client was? A stock like they photo? Yeah, oh, yeah, they, or the whole thing. Yeah, they pitched more fun than putting a weasel down your trousers to every client they got. Big Apple, 4 p.m. This is oh! Insert Credit, the relentlessly paced weekly audio program where a panel of video game luderati are forced to reach consensus on every topic introduced within six minutes or be silenced by the sound of a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and a video game gift I'd really like to receive from an anonymous benefactor would be one of those Game Boy Micros from 2005. Oh, nice. Interesting. Well, my name is Frank Zafali, and a video game gift I'd really like to receive from an anonymous benefactor would be about $1.2 million in uh, donations to the Video Game History Foundation. That's a lot. BGHF. That's our current estimate <laughs> for the work we have to do right now. Brandon, I don't think you heard. He'd really like it. That's yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I didn't. It changes I didn't everything, Jerry. When you really would like it. Uh, I'm Tim Rogers, <laughs> and, a vi- and a and a video game themed gift that I would uh, imp- appreciate enormously from an anonymous benefactor is a. Uh, so if there's anybody out there listening to this who has one of those super analog super NTs that they would like to get rid of, they, they're going for like 900 bucks on eBay. Anybody out there wants to offer me a slightly more reasonable price, anybody who's not on eBay, I would take it off your hands. I, just, I don't want to spend $800. I need one. Also, I would appreciate not being told uh, to just make like a Mr. Console or get a Raspberry Pi or whatever ridiculous things people always say whenever I bring this up. Mr. is about the same thing as the Super NT. Yeah, it just takes time to do. Yes. However, I, I know what I want, right? I want that sweet-looking product. It's a sweet-looking product. I enjoy having nice-looking things. You should get a Mr., though. We'll talk about it the Mr. It takes time to Mr. Do. Yeah, Mr. My, yeah, Mr. Who? The end. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I sort of feel like I need to think of something else because I was going to say I want an analog pocket. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I want as but, well. Uh, you know, maybe I should say something else like Snatcher for Sega CD. I'd like that. That'd be fun. I'm really reaching for the stars here and without going outside the realm of possibility. I would love for there to be someone in the San Francisco Bay Area who can fix all of my broken consoles. It just isn't. I'd have to send them all to New York, where two of you live now. LMAO. Uh, it would be easy for you all, but not for me. I got like a broken Neo Geo and a, my Sega CD only plays audio for about 30 seconds before it cuts out. Just touchdown football, spike them into the nearest dumpster, bro. No thanks to that. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I guess they are valuable uh, components. Santa has our lists now, so we can go on with our regularly scheduled program. Frank, huh? you won last week's episode, which oh, means no. you get first question. Oh no. Uh, okay, we got it. We got to save it because I don't have one. <laughs> okay, save to the end. Next question. When was the last time that a game delivered an innovative use of three-dimensional space? Jumping flash. No. <laughs> this makes me think of something which is when they first showed the 3ds at e3 we were we were all there minus jaffe yeah i was there oh, i was there they had 3ds's sort of tethered to women you just kind of had to walk up to ladies and play 3ds i think we talked about that like two shows ago yeah we did yeah yeah, okay. I remember there was a demo that actually convinced me that having a 3D screen could change gameplay. It was a demo. I don't know if either of you played this with this jumping cat. Yeah, I saw that one. I don't remember that. The cat would jump on platform sort of up toward you. And if you turned the 3D off, it was really hard. And if you turned the 3D on, it was pretty easy. So oh. that was really interesting. That's cool. I feel like there are all of these messing with 3D perspective puzzle games, and I don't think that any of them are really the best use of it. But, you know, there's that game that was, what was it called? Scale or something? That's the one with the gun where you scale things? Yeah, Steep Swink, I Did think. that ever come out? I think it didn't yet. I, I kickstarted it. Yeah, it was a long oh, time ago. I bet it's going to be so good. There's that, like, weird museum one where you, when you, when you move an object, it retains its relative size and then you can like replace it somewhere and use it as a platform or something like the size of the thing changes. There's one where you like take a photo and you can replace it and whatever. But something about those just doesn't grab me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when everyone was trying to replicate the success of Portal, like they wanted to be the next students out of DigiPen to get hired by valve and stuff so everyone was trying to do these perspective puzzles and these sorts of things and it, it just started a dark time for the igf i mean they're all good is the thing that yeah. i mean they're, they're cool ideas and stuff it's just i don't want them so not those is my <laughs> it's my answer portal might actually be the last time that it really got me yeah. Hmm. Well, Jaffe, can I re-request uh, the uh, exact wording of the question for a moment? When was the last time a game delivered an innovative use of three-dimensional space? I can ballpark fake some enthusiasm about just about anything, though the last time my mind was completely blown by 3D space in a video game was, in fact, Portal. Yeah. And it wasn't just Portal, it was the first real puzzle in Portal, where there's just a huge gap that's impossible to jump over. Mm -hmm. And you just shoot a portal on the wall that you can see all the way on the other side and then shoot a portal right next to yourself and step into it and you reach the goal. That was the last time my mind was completely blown by 3D space in a video game. I think what I liked about that was it felt complicated without being complicated. Like it wasn't too simple. Like a lot of these things are just like make this thing bigger and then you can get over there. Yeah. But it also wasn't complicated in a way that felt bad. When you wrapped your brain around it, you could understand it. It was sim simultaneously technologically impressive and so god darned ingenious, it made me feel like a literal idiot. Yeah. Like it made me feel like the stupidest person in the world for some reason. It made me feel like the game thought I was an idiot in a different way than some other games make me feel like the, the game thinks I'm stupid. The marketing tagline for that game was so good to think with portals. Yeah. You have to rewire your brain the first time you play that. And I feel like it's a permanent rewiring also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Which is kind of what makes those other games less interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I replayed the original Portal this year, actually. And it was like riding a bike, right? I mean, I just immediately 
was right back in it. I didn't have to reconfigure anything. It changed my brain forever. Whoa. Has it really been 13 years since we exhausted the potential of 3D? Yeah, that was it. That was it. And it's <laughs> all just been reiterations. Okay. That was it. I mean, again, every time I play a racing game that is significantly next genified over its predecessor, I marvel anew in a in a joyful way, the way a warthog might feel joy, to quote Orson Welles. I mean, I'm just like, ooh, Forza Horizon 4. This is incredible. This is 3D. Look at this world I'm driving around in. I feel cool, though. In terms of mind-shatteringness, uh, it's that portal, man. It was that moment in Portal. Even the rest of Portal couldn't catch up with that. I just want to say for a second, we got to acknowledge VR a little bit and say that that Half-Life Alex is theoretically the good one. I've watched people play it, and it is kind of amazing all of the things you can do in there. But it's just an extension of existing stuff. Not innovative in that same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have thought that by now someone ingenious on a level of then kids who made Portal would have done something with VR that would have caught my attention. We're still waiting. Yeah, maybe that Half-Life Alex is it. Who knows? What should it mean when a video game receives an award for best direction? Oh, very good question. Yeah. Uh, the, the hot topic of the moment. Uh, I think we don't really know what a video game... Have we have we had the question before? Just like, what is a video game director? Well, I That's think a pretty good question. Video game direction is an interesting one because obviously the reason we're talking about this is because uh, Last of Us 2 got this Best Direction Award at the Game Awards. Mm -hmm. Then everyone was like, oh, was, was the best direction for them to crunch all the time and get sick and lose relationships because of it being poorly managed? And I think that if you're going to go with best direction, it's easier in a movie yeah. because the director is kind of like ostensibly in charge of that movie and you can see their fingerprint and stuff. But in a video game, that's much less true. And also it feels more like in a video game, you need to ask the people, did they direct you well? Right. Were they inspiring to you? Like Miyamoto is probably a very interesting director. Like maybe he inspires people and looks at something they're doing and is like, oh, that's interesting. Have you tried this? And they're like, whoa. That's an interesting uh, suggestion because Miyamoto only ever takes credit as producer. He, right, does not, he does not take credit as director, yeah. even though we largely presume that he does the equivalent of what a video game or what a movie director would do. We also have the, the different titles thing going on where they like forever over in Japan. Yeah. Designer was mm -hmm. a, was an artist and planner as a designer, but not really fully. A, a planner can also be sort of a producer. And then a producer is a little more like what we would think of as a director sometimes. We used to have Ken Levine. But then he got scared after my Bioshock <laughs> right. Infinite review and stopped directing video games. The narc shotgun sound effect. I do think of uh, David Cage as a director. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We love to hate on him. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's actually interesting. I feel like a, a director is a term of uh, of disdain yes. in video games. I mean, no offense to Hideo Kojima, though. I feel like every time I think of him, as a, he applies the word director himself, similarly to how uh, a PhD might apply the word doctor to themselves like he uses the title kojima kantoku people in his uh surroundings call him kantoku that's weird which is a an honorific term meaning director kind of like the guy on seinfeld who went by maestro so interesting it seems like the pattern here is video game directors are people who treat their video games like cinema yes it, yeah it's like the uh the auteur thing their fingerprints are all over it i think that you can even without derision you can call eric chahi 
a director as well. Sure, in exactly. that same vein. Keita Takahashi, probably. He wouldn't call himself a director, probably. But you look at that and you're like, well, Keita Takahashi definitely had a lot to do with this video game. Right, that's it's a different example. definitely all him, yeah. Yeah, I think the case with Takahashi is that his games aren't particularly cinematic in that same way, but most people we think right. of as directors are people who are kind of translating games into movie-like terms. Yeah, mostly. So what is a video game director? Well, no, on a, on a movie, we know what a director did. I mean, it's hard to tell what a director did on a video game yeah. 99% of the time. I think that if I were to try to define an ideal situation for a director, I guess it would be more like a creative director where yeah. they're yeah. Sh shepherding along the ideas of others and being like, this is good, but let's also do this. Tighten up the graphics on Tighten level three. Tighten up those kind graphics. Of kind of a person yeah i mean meanwhile i would also like to say that uh, there were editorials on the internet saying things like should we really reward uh give say the best director is the guy whose game required crunch and it's like i don't know if the crunch is necessarily the director's fault i don't know right did he say some stuff about crunch being okay I was like, my guys actually like Crunch. He didn't say, remember. did he say anything like that? Well, whether he did or not, you can't pin Crunch on one guy. I mean, we can't, we can't pin a game's goodness or badness on one guy either. For example, for every one David Cage working on a David Cage game, there are at least 500 people complicit in working on a David Cage game, <laughs> right? So, I mean, apply that thinking to crunch and I, I think we come to a philosophical standstill here on the subject of what a director no is. one knows how games are made so to put an award on like how a game was made is ridiculous and just get rid of the category i don't know we do give the award for movies sometimes and it feels right Maybe we're just not ready i for mean it i yet. don't know i know what i think a good movie director is you know who i think is probably a great movie director everybody says they love working with the cohen brothers they love hanging out and working making movies seems like a question we should revisit for later <laughs> maybe yeah, we sounds will like it why are fishing mini games so ubiquitous and who did them best oh man i thought about writing a whole thing about this at one point sounds like you didn't i didn't do well, it now you get to speak about it i was considering putting a fishing mini game in our next thing but the problem is i don't like fishing as a practice because you know unless you, you throw them back but even i mean then, even if you throw them back weird. you're you're mutilating you, them first you ruined the fish's day and the rest of their life i'm just possibly. gonna torture you for a while and then i'm gonna release you into the wild please praise me but why are they so ubiquitous i think it has to do with japan <laughs> the the old seaside nation of japan yeah yes that's the idea of of relax and there there are like ponds just like around that you can go to and have a have a relax for your day um sometimes you'll be like on a train in a rural area and there'll just be a half-size swimming pool full of fish and just five old men chain smoking around it with a rod in there there's not even any challenge just like the fisher literally in a barrel but i guess it's a it's a fun pastime where so. do you think the phrase shooting fish in a barrel came from do you think that it came from joking about fishing fish out of a barrel there's people sitting with a fishing rod catching easy fish and a guy comes up and goes check this out and shoots into it it sounds like the evolution of a joke to me mm. yeah like an old expression that just kind of got away from itself and everybody else at the same time yeah. in terms of good ones believe it or not i liked that near one i know everybody apparently hated it but I fished all the fish in near in the first near, not the. I did that one. too, but not because it was good. Best fishing mini game is obviously the one in Link's Awakening. I mean, we can all agree about that. It's okay. I do tend to like the ones that are easier more than the ones that are difficult. I don't want to play a full fishing game in my mini game, you know. 
Fishing is just uh, it's just real baby boy game design too. It's it's very easy to get your head around. You just drop something in and then wait. Yeah, refreshing to some people. It's like one of the earliest versions of the gotcha mechanic. You're throwing something in. Maybe you'll get out a rare one. Maybe you won't. And so there's a little anticipation there. Yeah, I liked it in uh, Final Fantasy 15. I don't know if it was the best one, but I like it because you've got three boys just encouraging you the whole time. Like good. Good fishing, Noctis. Good work, yeah. boys. Pull the rod towards the fish. <laughs> I have this video that I never put out of a fishing triumph. I, I just wasn't sure that people would actually get what was happening because I fished something and then I pull it out, but it's invisible. <laughs> and the fish wasn't there. And everyone's just around me regarding it and clapping and being like, oh, and he's just like <laughs> holding up nothing. But that rules. Unless you've seen that animation 500 times already, you'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't get what this is. <laughs> I gotta say, I don't like it in Animal Crossing. Oh, you don't like it? I'm gonna say, as for Animal Crossing, when I was very, very ill with the coronavirus, I was playing it on Animal Crossing. And every time the fish would bite, my controller would thump, and my heart, it felt like it made a sound in my chest. Heck. I was playing Animal Crossing because it was just so relaxing, and uh, I couldn't sleep because I couldn't breathe very well. I played the heck out of that game and just got fish, and every single time I went... <gasps> Like, like every time I, I got a fish bite, I, it freaked me out and uh, I probably shouldn't have, I might've been endangering myself. That's a, not the best fishing game. On the other hand, that's, uh, that's uh, an anecdote, I, I suppose. It's impactful. There is a, a collection going on at the National Video Game Museum in the UK, not the US one. The Oi Mate one. Yes, the Oi Mate Video Games What Museum. Video Games What? They are collecting Animal Crossing in 2020 oral histories, and, and I think you should submit that one. You get it in oh, there. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do it. That's That could be interesting. I like the uh, short hike approach to fishing minigame because it's pretty much just like when you see the ripple then you hit the button and you get the fish i mean you you have to like pull back and you have to hold on to it but it's it's very hard to lose unless you're making a fishing game all the way that's how it should be it shouldn't be all about wrestling it for ages i don't know i, I caught the the toughest fish to get the toughest rod in final fantasy 15 and it took like more than five minutes to land that one fish and I don't feel like I accomplished anything. I feel like I, I spent five minutes that I probably could have spent better doing something else, you know? Taking a dump, etc. yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe the easy ones are good. I really like the Stardew Valley one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a decent yeah. one. It's fun. Are there any really good adaptations of video games into physical games? Oh man, mm. uh, there was that Dark Souls board game I was interested in looking at. and I never, never looked at it. I, I often try to uh, cross the freeway. Um, like Frogger. That's pretty fun. Oh yeah, that's nice. that's a hopping yeah. on logs. Yeah. Does the the new Universal Studios Super Mario Land or whatever it is count? Oh yeah, uh, sure. Oh man, have y'all seen this uh, game show from? I think it was Mexico where they had like a Mario obstacle course. A Mario. And they they would make these kids go through it, and it, it's like this rickety, dangerous looking nonsense a rickety danger jumping across these like hard-edged tables and stuff and there's like a pipe they shove a piranha out of and that knocks the kid over and <laughs> whatever what do they call those plants a piranha plant, a piranha plant. they're yeah. called yeah. pakun furawa in yeah. japanese that's what we're going to call them from now on okay good. Pakun right. furawa. and then briefly they have to go outside and like climb a tree and then they come back in back into mario world anyway that uh <laughs> looks completely ridiculous if i can remember the name of it i will get back to y'all but i wouldn't say it was a 
the most successful, but it was uh, entertaining to watch it. Man, I feel like uh, American Gladiators just always kind of felt like... <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. yeah, like a like a physical adaptation of a board game. There's a whole bunch of things like that, because, I mean, I guess we've got a generation of of, uh, of of grown children now. Right. There's a lot of man babies out there now. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's TV shows like the one you were telling me about, Brandon, the, the one with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the yeah. Titan Games or whatever Titan it's called. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that interests me greatly because I was a big fan of uh, American Gladiators, which is perhaps why you recommended that to me. It I is. believe I've mentioned American Gladiators many times. And also, I know you like uh, DTRJ. Yeah, I think that guy's got a, he's got something. I don't know what it is, though. Detergent. We'll, we'll find out someday. He might be a supervillain. We're not sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in this this weird comeback of those sorts of TV shows. Isn't there something else? There's like American Ninja Warrior. I don't even. There's Beastmaster. There's one on Netflix right now called The Floor is Made of Lava. Yeah. Oh, yes, eh? It's infuriatingly edited and narrated. Yes, absolutely, yeah. The floor is lava. That's the problem with what? that. If you win, you get to meet me, Beardy Joke Man. Yeah, Beardy Joke <laughs> oh, yeah. And you can tell he doesn't really want to be Sounds there. Sounds like I don't like it. No, it's a bad show. It's a bad show, but it is a video game. Ultimate Beastmaster is a better one of those for the first two seasons, but it's a bad video game. I actually think it would be interesting for all of you to watch. Ultimate Beastmaster? Just like watch the first episode of well, each is, season. What is it on Fandango or something? I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Netflix. Um, Give me that dango. Because each each one of them has a different immediately visible giant points slash rules discrepancy that doesn't make sense oh good if you get past this point or whatever there's no way to catch you or that or that kind of thing like there's always some just inherent huge flaw in the scoring system or the way that they have like the way they seed the next round of players or whatever stuff there's always something hugely mistaken in there which is interesting but definitely not the best yeah only the best for me please yeah good stuff only thanks I'm trying to think of if i've played any of the board games i played the pac-man one it was terrible oh, wait takeshi's castle that's the answer right yeah because that was a tv show and and a video and, game and a video game all right i guess that's it yeah takashi no chosen joe yeah his challenge castle consensus also known as max x where they made all the gay jokes yeah oh yeah i just, I just watched an episode of that recently and uh, the original yeah. gj don't hold up. I really, really wanted to be able to enjoy watching that show again, but I, I watched like half of a, an episode and I was like, hmm. Yeah, no, it's pretty infuriating. Yeah. It's terrible. But there is think. actually a Famicom game based on that, as we just said, and it's a, it's a power pad game too. Yeah, so. and they weren't making gay jokes in the, uh, in the original. Here's a completely seasonally inappropriate question. Oh, kill me. How would you adapt the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade into a video game? Oh, baby. Smash Bros. It's just Smash Bros, right? Like all the, <laughs> all the mascot characters flopping around. Occasionally they fall down and crush some people. Well, we would need the work of a great director such as Keita Takahashi to do it, I believe. Yeah, Keita Takahashi, big KT. He could pull it off. I think it's an it's a 2D platform game where you're going left to right. Big head? But you have to... net. Yeah, you probably have a big head, sure. Um, Naturally. But you have to navigate through the floats and the like marching bands like throwing sticks at you and stuff like that you're talking an nes game here i guess uh, it doesn't have to be. i or actually Genesis. was picturing super nintendo i don't know why okay, um sampled audio i mean i know yes typically it's jj and jeff or something in my head when we talk about this stuff but no for some reason this is super nintendo socks the cat socks the is cat it because rocks the luigi conducts a parade in super mario rpg that's true no i'm not thinking of that. he's thinking of the super nintendo because as the insert credit podcasts firmly believes it's the best game console better <laughs>
than the bonk machine. That's false. <laughs> so I think the premise is that you like Santa ends the parade, right? Am I right? Yeah, Santa's at the end. Santa kills the parade master. You have to either take down Santa by getting to the end of parade, the parade, or you're on a timer and you have to like warn Santa in time that someone's going to snipe him. I personally like the Takahashi direction where you're like trying to roll up all the mascots, all the sure. humans are fleeing in terror. Well, I don't, I don't know if you're trying to roll them up. I think you're just leading a float and it's it's some sort of massively multiplayer online game in a huge procedurally generated Nobi Nobi Boy flavor city it could be a pikmin and you're trying to unite all the different mascots and they're varying factions and you and you got to get them all together and, and then you got to roll them up <laughs> yeah i just want to put together uh, a float yeah you could make like a a cooking mama style float creator as well right i want i want like a, a fire pro wrestling style character creator yeah that is really robust yeah float creator. kind of like like morbidly, like hideously robust that like for no apparent reason. You have to try to uh, elicit a certain response from the audience, like terror or joy or amorousness or something. And so you you try to make a, a float that has those qualities. What if it's like a massively multiplayer game and each float is controlled by like a dozen people? Yeah, that's 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 what I mean. Well, the floats right. are right in the in the parade. There's exactly I've seen the episode of Seinfeld. It'd be cool where, if they're all holding holding like a, a tent pole, as it were. Yeah. All the members of your team. Maybe you're trying to knock the other floats out of the parade so that you're the best float in it. Someone's driving Garfield's mustache. Yeah, there's this uh, this ball rolling mini game in Tokimiki Memorial that you can do at the school sports day where uh, the girl that you choose to help you to be on your team. Each girl has like a different behavior. And it's like a huge ball that you're pushing around a circular, like sort of mode seven Super Nintendo looking track. You have to like be on opposite sides of it and push it at the same time in order for it to go perfectly forward. But all the girls have they behave uh, according to their in-game personalities. So some of them don't help and some of them uh, are really too aggressive. Uh, It's pretty good. Um, That sort of thing just makes me you're just pushing this unwieldy object. I think piling on a whole bunch of players into that going with a real three-legged race kind of uh, joie de vivre, as it were, a warthog's joy. Maybe there's a, you could have it just be an online, it's something like Fall Guys or, you know, these these games now that are popular. You have like 10 minutes, you're thrown into a room with like five other people and you have to make a float together. And then you have to win the parade with your float and different right. floats have different sizes and shapes and they can bump into each other. And the whole idea is in all the branding, they're like, you can make whatever you want, including guys like this. And it's just really bland, boring looking characters. And then people are just making Ronald McDonald and Colonel Sanders <laughs> and like, like, yes. like really ridiculous, horrifying looking things. Playing it is like 12 person Octodad. You're all, it's just like flopping you all over the place and it's wrecking into buildings and you're trying to keep it straight. To- and then of course, realistically, it just turns into a parade of huge dogs. Exactly. HDs. Exactly. I mean, this this all sounds fine, but also we could do the thing where we kill Santa. And yes. then there's sub boss. Sub boss before Santa is Santa Baby. There have been developers, <laughs> uh, storied developers who have made games that have been on a wide variety of topics. I don't think a game about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade would be that hard for some of the some of the smart people out there uh, who have yeah. made cool games before. Especially on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Oh, gotta love that Super Nintendo. We'll be right back after a quick break. I'm never going to call it Soup Nint ever again. I'm sorry. That was the last time. Thank you. That was the last time. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Insert Credit. Time to open up the dirt bag. Every week, we go to our listeners for a question to ask in the middle of the show right here. You could subscribe to patreon.com slash insert credit at any level to ask us your own questions, get access to episodes one day early, one day early, one day early, <laughs> and some periodical <laughs> bonus features and episodes. This week's question comes from Gwith Blimith, who asks, what is going on with Treasure? Will they ever make another video game? Very good question. It is a good aren't, question. Aren't they missing a bunch of people at this point? I don't think we really know, Frank. We know that Masato Maegawa is there still. Okay. Yeah. I think we know that. Uh, he is still there. Yeah, I think he's he'll die at that company. First, they were turned into uh, HD upscaling their, their older games for a while. And mm-hmm. then they were gone. But then it seems like they were back and they have a Twitter presence again. It seems like they're making stuff, but it's not really clear. Yeah, they haven't done any licensed uh, anime games in a bit right they seem to have vanished i know ikaruga was released on the switch somewhat recently ish i mean i've been following them on twitter for like years right for like eight years or so they they really did just kind of start tweeting again like a while back though it's always just about remasters of stuff i mean their website is still being updated because they have their um ps4 version of ikaruga on sale until uh, 22nd of December. So they're present, but the new stuff doesn't seem to... I mean, it's possible that Maegawa could be remastering these games by himself. I think that's within his... They haven't tweeted since October 6th, and it was about the Game Gear Mini, because it has Gunstar Heroes on it. Yeah, I hope that they will be back. That office that we went to, Tim, there was just going around on Twitter, some people were sharing the old office and what it looked like. And yeah. it's, it's an insurance office now, but that was a pretty cool place, a little round facade to the building. Man, all these tweets of theirs, they've tweeted very few times now. I guess they were tweeting somewhat regularly for kind of a while, and then yeah. I believe they just kind of slammed the brakes on it. It's all just about, not even just the remasters of their games, though it's like where you can get their games on like new mini console has been released with two treasure games on it. The mega drive mini has got a couple treasure games, Ikaruga radiant silver gun on vinyl uh, soundtracks. That sort of stuff sounds like the sort of thing that a holding company would be Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't believe uh, Masato Maegawa is going to ever not be the treasure guy yeah though it's like where did his people go are they all there i mean we we never the japanese video game development is so closed in general we don't really know too much about what goes on at most of these video game studios unfortunately if people left treasure theoretically just you know if if uh treasure not making any new video games and something resembling a long time indicates that maybe they, they don't have the same staff anymore where do you think that staff went Brandon Sheffield. I think M2. Do they go to M2? Is that the kind of place? I think that... M2 is definitely the kind of place that they would have gone. M2 being able to make GG LSA 3 because they had all the relevant compile staff already working mm-hmm. for them. That's the kind of thing that makes me feel like probably they're at M2. And also, for example, playing Castlevania Adventure Rebirth on the Wii and just seeing how the whip action feels and how the sound effects interact with the whip action and how walking is in a certain kind of syncopated time to the music. Watching it feels almost like a rhythm game when someone's playing it nicely. That yeah, makes M- me think M2, probably uh, some treasure people are there. Also. M2 feels like they got uh, a big bag of good ideas. So apparently uh, treasure's got 3,000 mon yen capital. That's a lot. 
I don't yeah. know. It's not not a whole lot. I was learning about that recently, and that just, is that's three million dollars. That's whatever that's, that mention is. That's the capital that was placed when you opened the business. So they may not necessarily have it. It's like this is yeah. this was the worth of our business at the time that we registered. I just found that out. Yeah. So I was thinking about what it would take to register a business in Japan and hire myself for a visa. Yeah, so they're founded on three million. Yeah, I uh I looked into something like that a while back. I wonder if I I'll think about that later. I think it's gotten a little easier now. So you, we could go out there, we could go get them, go get my guy and and shake out the answers just like in um mischief makers. Shake, shake, shake and uh out come the answers. That's that's my uh the thing about treasure, they're a video game developer that I like a lot. Right. Yes. I believe it's a video game developer that we all here have some degree of affection for them. I regard a couple of their games as as some of the greatest games of all time. Yeah. Though, I mean, I know Musta was probably listening because he's a big fan. Yeah. Though, I don't want to. I'm sorry, Mr. Maigawa. I think I think your company is a is more rife with cautionary tales than pearls of wisdom. Yes. I think. Let me just say a few more words about Treasure. Okay. For all the games that we love that Treasure made. Even Gunstar Heroes, their most unimpeachable masterpiece, according to the majority of people out there, whether it's your, our favorite treasure game or not, it's the game everybody points to. Even Gunstar Heroes has like some waste and some cruft yeah. in it. Like the, I mean, I maintain that Dice Palace is just, that's just like 12 levels that they didn't finish, that they just uh, arranged into a board game. And uh, Treasure just always had this unfinishedness that inspired people like insert credit forum dwellers back in the day, to imagine what would it be like if you ran with this. Treasure never ran with anything they made, which is True. interesting. Yeah, They never ran with any of it. They baby-stepped with it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they ended up baby-stepping themselves right down a shallow spiral staircase into anime game adaptation heck. I agree. The Treasure name stopped being a necessary mark of quality it was a, a, a tentative i will try it's, it's you can just kind of sense the insecurity of the people behind the designs the, the work itself there were people there with missions people like hiroshi iuchi the designer of famous ikaruga you know what uh now i'm 41 years old don't really like ikaruga too much anymore i'm sorry just don't really like it that much anymore. I used to like it a little bit. You know, on the other hand, there's a great interview on Shmuplations, which, of course, is a name that I don't like. Yeah, it's a bad, that's a bad name, man. Very, very excellent translation work done by this person over there. I guess it's like a monologue that was written somewhere from the creator of Alien Soldier, who was like, I made this game for myself because the Genesis is my wife. Basically, like this, yeah. this game is my life partner. I made it for me. No one will ever love it as much as I did. I made all the things exactly how I wanted to because I love it. I love that too. I want more of that. I love that too, in theory. However, also the thing I said about cautionary tales, I love Sin and Punishment. I love Sin and Punishment too. However, neither of those games is as good as it could have been. Yeah, and I'm not going to play Alien Soldier because I can't. It's impossible for me. I've played Alien Soldier. I can get pretty far in it. I'll admit I can't beat it. No. That game kind of sucks a lot, though I love it. You know, the weapon changing is just like, give me a break. Just yeah, make that easier, please. There's there. They had so many opportunities. They obviously made something people liked Gunstar Heroes. They had every opportunity in the world to just put the blinders on the horse blinders on and, and look straight forward and follow down that path and make good, decent stuff and build a reputation as the Gunstar Heroes style game people 
and they could have just become a major massive video game developer. Yeah. However, they did something way more interesting, which is make stuff like Alien Soldier and Guardian Heroes, weird unfinished stuff that inspired Silhouette Mirage. Silhouette Mirage. Games that inspired legions of people like us. Though at yeah. the end of the day, it's uh it's it's my job, I suppose, to see what people like us are any good for anyway. And therefore, uh a truck hack is all I gotta say. I think uh their fortunes would turn around if they finally put out that hamster game that they were doing on Dreamcast. Yeah, Yeah, give me that Dreamcamster. All right, that's enough of treasure talk, and I'm sorry. I'm counting that as two questions. Woo! All right. The dirt bag got doubled. So we make a lot of references to the TurboGrafx-16 here. That's true. How good actually was it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it wasn't that good. It was good in some ways. Something about the way it did math and the way that it dealt with sprites meant that it could put a lot of sprites on screen simultaneously, and they were bigger than some other consoles could deal with. And so even though it had an 8-bit CPU, it was really well-suited to shooting games, just tons of objects on screen, things going everywhere, and also its extensibility, how it could... They, they just kept adding RAM, they, they added a CD, wound up allowing that console to really live way past its lifetime. When you look at a game from the 80s on the TurboGrafx, and then you look at a game in the mid-90s, it really feels like two different consoles. It feels like you're talking about the NES versus the Sega CD there. But the console itself, it was fine. It had some things it did well, it had a lot of things it didn't do that well. Um, sound chip could be a lot better in my opinion. But, you know, it has a lot of good games on it, but does it have games that are lasting forever not that many of them it's very much the kind of console for someone like me that likes to discover what's good about something it's no genesis it's no super nintendo but i like it i like it as an extension of the famicom i feel like if you like famicom games then that's where all of those guys went who weren't making nes games specifically for the u.s when it sort of caught on fire here yeah there's just weird famicom e-games like the first one that comes to mind is you know capcom did a sun sun sequel just on the turbo graphic and yeah. it's, it's just straight up a famicom game but with more colors so if you're if you're one of them types that that likes famicom and nes stuff a lot of the people who made a lot of the games that you've played uh made the same kinds of games for the early turbo graphics and that makes it pretty interesting for me in summary if you preferred mylon's secret castle <laughs> <laughs> to to Super Mario Brothers. If you preferred <laughs> Solomon's Key to Donkey Kong Three, if if you if you preferred Mighty Bomb Jack to Bomberman, no, that's not true. If you, yeah, if you preferred Mighty Bomb Jack to Legend of Zelda, that's a horrible. I don't know what kind of person that would be. <laughs> oh God, I don't know what I'm trying to say. If you thought Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link was okay, but Esper Bokentai uh, was the better game on the Famicom. Then uh, have I got a game system for you? It's called. I think you can also, in addition to appreciating it from a Famicom vector, the way that I appreciate it more is as like a PC 98 light. The Japanese PC game scene was really exploding at that time. And there were all these different PC platforms and people were releasing weird games on them. Visual novels, weird action games, strange RPGs. The console that most of those games went to was the PC Engine Turbo Graphics, and that is, of course, because they were making these goddamn games on PC-98s, and that was also made by NEC, just like the PC Engine. And so it was a, just a, easier enough to put that game on the 
PC Engine that that that's where those went. So there's there's a couple vectors from which to enjoy. I actually, I admit to uh, I was a little ignorant about what the PC ninety eight like really was until about a month ago. <laughs> and i started to look into it i've now played a few full pc 98 video games it's a pretty interesting time in uh japan's video game life where they just had totally different operating systems and you just had to choose whether your 150 dollar video game came out on one operating system or another it was weird yeah i uh i i went down that pc 98 bot twitter and i just like got a bunch of games just try wanted to try a couple of games a lot of those games that look real cool suck real bad that's true you know who would have who would have thought right yeah i mean you would you would assume a game that looks real cool is real good not so my friends and what's kind of interesting about that is pc engine conversions are often much more playable than the mm-hmm. pc 98 or pc 88 counterparts like any valis game on the pc engine is better than the ones on the PC-88, PC-98, MSX, etc. The frame rates on those PC-98 games were often incredibly slow. The TurboGrafx has that speed. I've been playing a lot of my PC Engine Mini lately. I have it plugged into my... I've been playing it in kind of a woeful way. I have it plugged into my Elgato uh, internal capture card on my PC. And every once in a while, I, I turn it on and I open up OBS and I just play it in the OBS window. And I've been having an overjoyously pleasant time just popping on a PC Engine game and playing it, having a very good time with it. Yeah. So that's that's my experience right it's, now. It's a very insert credity console because, you know, we talk about companies like Kavia that make or made in the past tense imperfect but interesting games that had cool ideas and stuff. And that's really I'm going to tell you what, if you don't like Kavia, get out of my house, right? If you don't like Kavia, get out of here. So goodbye insert credit standards yep. is the answer we're going for. Frank, <laughs> right. are you ready for your question? <laughs> sure. Uh, kind of a rough one, but, um, I couldn't think of a better one. And I think this could be interesting. I'm ready. That's my favorite words. Those are good words. Good. There's not really a Christmas game. I mean, we've identified some things as Christmas. Yeah, there's Christmas night. Sure. But like, there's not really a game that people think of as like a a Christmas game to play on Christmas. What would that even be? Christmas nights. <laughs> no, uh, obviously the real answer is Die Hard Arcade. Die Hard Darkade. I'm envisioning this bowling game, but uh, instead of okay. pins, right. they're all elves. Uh, okay. And you're Santa, yeah. and you're trying to knock down all the elves. Knock all the elves and, down. And uh, it's exclusive to the Game Boy Advance. You know, I think you got a million seller idea here. Did you know that Santa is an anagram for Satan? <gasps> Whoa! Well, so see, you, 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 you can you can go with that, right? Exactly. There you go. You're onto something here. I'm just gonna say because Christmas Nights is the Christmas video game that that people do play. It's um, you know, it's no one plays small, Saturn games, Brandon. It's kind of a small game. Well, the people that are on my Twitter feed play. <laughs> did you know that in the night, dream delight? Did you know that? Did any of you guys know that? I did know that. Any of you guys are? Can't you unlock Christmas Nights on the PS2 version as well? Christmas Nights. Dream Delights. That's no right. one plays PS2 games either. Fine, Frank. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I, I just want to say the things that are good and Christmassy about that okay. are that wintry vibe with lights on coniferous trees and you open presents in it. And so I think those are those are elements that we should that we should okay. keep. I agree with that. Yeah, they're good. I mean, my favorite game that takes place on Christmas is clearly, I know Frank likes this one, it's Raw Danger. Yeah. Raw Danger is a, is a very Christmas video game, weirdly, somehow. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to play that one this well, Christmas. I, I want to I want to explore why we think that's a Christmas game, though, other than it taking place on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, that, that's that's the harder the harder pill to swallow. I mean, it, it depends on whether what Christmas means to you. Does it mean that uh, Christ, our Savior, was was um, what did he do on that day? Born, get born. He was die? born. He, he was, was born. born. He was born. It was very convenient. So for, for him, for some to be people, that's that what day. it is. For other people, it's like hang out with your family because they like to do that for some reason. For some reason, I mean, for some people, it's, you know, the true meaning of giving or whatever. Right. I, I never really, like I've watched a lot of Christmas uh, animated specials and, and movies. I still don't understand the whole true meaning thing, but. The true meaning of Christmas is that Jesus was born so that you can give stuff to people. I'm going to tell a little sidebar here. There are so many people that will be like, but it's Christmas, especially in, in fiction, but um, also in real life. When something bad is happening and they'll be like, but it's Christmas. People do that because it's as meaningless to me as this next anecdote where I was in Finland and gotta love that place. We were we were which is very Christmassy, by the way, with snowing and stuff. We were going around to various restaurants. It was like a press tour back when I was in the press. And we were going to these fancy Finnish restaurants and uh I couldn't eat anything because I'm a vegetarian. So wait, fancy Finnish restaurant isn't that just a place where they give you a really nice dessert? Yeah, they Kaboom. give you just the end. The end. Part. Oh my god! Oh um, my god! Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. the fancy finish. And <laughs> they, <laughs> they would make one special meal for me because I was the vegetarian in the group, and it was asparagus every single time. It's a gourmet meal, Frank. <laughs> wait, what are you talking to me about? <laughs> after the after the second part, after the second time this happened, I was like, "Why? Why is there so much asparagus?" And they're like, "Oh, it's asparagus week." They were they were like presenting a different <laughs> vegetable. Happy promoting a, a vegetable and and so then later in this trip our press bus was parked up on a curb gotta love a bus some uh, angry fins walked by and they were like cursing us out and making gestures and stuff and a uh, friend of the show fishy uh was on the press tour as well and he's like what's those guys problem don't they realize it's asparagus week <laughs> <laughs> and uh so so whenever someone's like but it's christmas i think of asparagus week so there should be a lot of asparagus in our game okay all right yeah <laughs> Um, something that started coming to mind for me is the movie Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. J-A-T-Dub. So, so are we making a Genesis game now? Yeah. Well, no, I'm starting to think about things like shopping malls. Jingle, jingle, Charlie. Oh, yeah, and, shopping malls. And which makes me start thinking of Earthbound a little bit. Uh-huh. It has the best shopping mall in a game, I think. Frank, I think you're hitting on something here because the platonic ideal of Christmas exists largely, largely in the mind and in the nostalgia of it. Yes. And, and in retail establishments. Yes. Yeah, and in retail establishments. So the idea of a mall still existing and being vibrant and full of people, mm. that, that seems like Full it, of Christmas decorations kind of, yeah, and well, stuff. Yeah, yeah. My problem with that is that according to the Christmas movie Love Actually, on Christmas you're supposed to tell the truth. So it has to be a perfectly oh, honest no. game. Okay. Okay, but I think that's counteracted by the probably millions of Hallmark misunderstanding-based Christmas rom-coms, of which I have seen quite a few. Maybe that's why they implemented that role, to counteract those yeah, misunderstandings. They were trying to, trying to counteract. But I, I like the idea of it taking place in a mall, and like everyone's trying to have a good time, but maybe like some mystery goes down. Yeah, there's a lot of interconnected drama between people working at different stores and stuff right. that you have to resolve. Yeah, it's like Deep Space Nine, but it's in a <laughs> shopping mall on Christmas. See, I'm playing the, the that Yakuza, and I'm just thinking of that game. I'm thinking of a Yakuza game, but instead of Kamarocho, it's a mall. Yeah, okay. That's cool. I'm into it's it. It's a very big mall. 
Yeah, who do you play as? Um, do oh, you... you play as Frank from Dead Rising, but <laughs> oh, there are no yeah. zombies. Frank no Cifaldi from Dead Rising. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Dead Rising also feels kind of like a Christmas game to me, even though it's definitely not. So yeah, I think well, it uh, takes place in that mall. It yeah. takes place in the mall. Right. Yeah, excellent. I Consensus. think Frank West. Frank is back, uh, and he's better than ever. He's covered some new wars. Would be the tagline. He's covering the war on Christmas. Hey, oh. there you oh, go, man. Can't That's even say Merry game. Christmas anymore. They stop you in their tracks <laughs> if you say Merry Christmas. I was outdoors for not even uh, 20 minutes and some lady said Merry Christmas to me in a really, really entitled, literally weird way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. Like a challenging way? I dare you to say something about Christmas. Man, I've been around uh, uh, Christian people my whole life. Uh, and let me tell you, I, I remember my mom being upset. They were calling it winter break and not Christmas vacation. And they sent a letter to the parents. It's not called National Lampoon's winter break. We're calling <laughs> it winter break this year. Uh, is, and they're, they like sent a letter. They're like, oh, they're like, take this home and give it to your parents. And I think on my mom's, uh, my mom's upsetness. And then I also reflect on how, how strange it must be for the people uh, at the school to be like, we're going to write a letter and we're going to ha- have this, uh, this 10 year old uh, <laughs> carry it home it to home. their parents, uh, just so they know that it's not called Christmas break this year. It's like, I'm not saying <laughs> I sympathize with the people who think that you can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. I'm just saying, uh, must have been a strange sensation to, to write that letter to send to the parents. It must have felt weird. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Must have been like, right. got to let them know. It's very important. Here's my next question. Yeah, let's do it. That was a fun question, Frank. Yeah, good good. ones. What is the cheesecake factory of video games? (laughs) Uh, First, please explain to me what is the cheesecake factory itself. Well, I I can give my interpretation as as, as an answerer here. Please. First of all, it's everything at once. Is it a fancy Denny's? Uh, Yeah, that's kind of what they're going for, but it's it's just a coat of paint kind of fancy. The Mm. food quality is the same, but the menu is about 30 pages long. Uh, it's a big menu. You can get basically anything, and they take it out. Nachos, yeah, Doritos, tacos. The the aesthetic of the place is—it's like a really rich person decorating for themselves, where they just have no taste. So yeah, garish and yeah, and it's just a mishmash of styles, but it looks expensive. It's a big TGI Fridays. Uh, It's it's just a more expensive TGI Fridays. You take the family there, like maybe maybe somebody did something in school. Like, I don't know, your kids in the theater club and they put on a play or whatever and you take them to a place like that. Okay, so I've actually eaten at a Cheesecake Factory somewhat recently. So let me tell you, uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, me and me and Mimsy went to Cheesecake Factory a couple months ago. Uh, For some reason, we were in Indianapolis, Indiana, and she thought it would be funny to go to Cheesecake Factory. Do you eat inside? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Okay, not not a couple months ago. Last Christmas. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't even know what year it is anymore. Last Christmas, a couple months ago, 12 months ago, she thought it would be funny to eat at Cheesecake Factory. I warned her as I warn everyone that once you get inside, it's not actually that funny, right? Which is, Uh you know, something people refuse to accept until they're actually seated at Olive Garden or whatever. They go, oh, I guess this is just a place. Yeah. So, I mean, it is really just a place. You, You order just a bunch of appetizers or whatever, and they're decent. And uh, having also had been to an Applebee's and a Chili's somewhat recently, I can say the Cheesecake Factory is by far better than Chili's, Applebee's. You get like their big nachos. It's actually pretty decent. That's actually good data. I didn't have the the food quality data. So I've been to one of those 
places like Spaghetti Factory or something. I think I had to go to the old Spaghetti Factory during a Comic Con one year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I noted that despite the poor quality, relatively poor quality of the food, the prices were quite high. And it made me wonder why so many people of clearly lesser means were going there with their entire families when it seemed kind of expensive. Even though it is kind of expensive, it feels to them even more expensive than it is. So it almost seems like a good deal. Okay. So what's the video game equivalent? So the, yeah. I, think, I think the core of Cheesecake Factory is the fact that uh, the, menu's the menu huge. is huge. Yeah, and yeah it's, it's ungodly. It's just everything. Yeah. Like WarioWare? I don't know about WarioWare. No, mm, it's tri- it's no. it's no no. It's it's triple A. It's it's a triple A yeah. video. Oh, game. is it Smash Brothers again? <laughs> no, Smash Brothers doesn't I mean, try to do a lot though. So just because the Cheesecake Factory is the Smash Bros of food doesn't mean Smash Bros is the Cheesecake Factory of video games. <laughs> I don't enough. make the rules. So one other tidbit you might want to know about the Cheesecake Factory: NBA players love the Cheesecake Factory. This is hmm. this is written for its caloric intake or. It's just a place that a lot of NBA players eat because it's uh, always the same everywhere you go on That's the road. That's what my grandma says. That, oh, well, she would if she were still alive. She would go to a, a new place and be like, let's go to Denny's. I don't want I don't want any of that razzmatazz. I want to know what well, I'm so getting. I, I think you'd take Cheesecake Factory over Denny's any day if you had a choice uh, and, you, and money was no object because you're a millionaire NBA player. It has become a genuine part of NBA player culture hmm. is, is going to Cheesecake Factory. This is this is just you know how it goes so does that mean nba jam i don't know about nba jam i mean <laughs> i feel like i mean I, I joke about assassin's creed a lot on here though assassin's creed is the big menu cranked out consistently every it used to be every year now it's every two years they crank one out kind of like the cheesecake factory manages to always be there and always be the same and it has a whole lot of stuff on the menu just like in Assassin's Creed, you can do escort missions. If only there was... Okay, so there's like Anthem was like a bad destiny, Should right? it not be a an open world thing then, if that's where we're going with it? Like it's one of those big open worldies like I a think Fallout? it is. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. no, Assassin's Creed is an open world game, man. Yeah. Have you ever played one? Fallout has the... 30s 40s kitchen it doesn't but doesn't... but fallout isn't uh reliable they they bring a new one out what every six seven years like yeah. a cheesecake factory needs to be uh the the element of its ubiquity must be uh taken into consideration here well i think you might so be like, right with this pirates are a part of the menu and uh greeks are a part of the menu and vikings are a part of the menu yeah and it's not just that it's like oh you can do uh you can right. do a main story mission or you can do one of these side missions or one of the boat side missions or one of the treasure hunt side missions you can go or the hunting side missions you can go fishing there's all that stuff is in every assassin's creed game since uh since what assassin's creed 3 like all that stuff is in all of them even if you're the typical player sits down and plays through the campaign. However, every once in a while, there's a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old who gets just the one game for Christmas and they 100% it. That's basically, when I go to the Cheesecake Factory, I just order those nachos, right? <laughs> right. That's well, all. And, it, and it's Assassin's Creed is something that can That's be... playing appre- the campaign. ...that can be appreciated by anyone, whether they have, like, taste or not. Mm, if, you, right. if you have to play a video game, if you have to play just one video game, maybe that's the one. To play right. every every Christmas, it's maybe like that's if, it. If you're if you're at PAX and someone's like, "Let's meet at the Cheesecake Factory," it, the the reaction for me is, "Okay, fine." <laughs> the Cheesecake Factory is <laughs> so half decent. The cheesecake yeah. is half decent. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like those stupid nachos, man. I'm gonna put another vote in for this being correct. I don't think I've ever been in a Cheesecake Factory, and I've only played Assassin's Creed for like 30 minutes. So I haven't 
wanted to interact with either one of those in a very similar way. Let me just tell you, if you ever get a chance to play an Assassin's Creed <laughs> game, what you want to do is play whatever the most recently released one is. So there you go. That's yeah, that that's sense. that's the philosophy on that. And that is the cheesecake factory of video game philosophies, in my opinion. I've just sent you guys the nachos. This is a link to the nachos that, oh, I, that I get. Thank you. I get them without the... Wait, it doesn't even have meat. I thought I had to get them without bacon. You see? Just a big, beautiful, enormous punch bowl of nachos. I want to point out, they're called factory factory nachos. nachos. Yeah, I don't know why they're called... delicious. Because they're from the cheesecake factory. Right. How much so, do they cost? Uh, it's like 10 bucks, but it's it's huge. All right. It is like a punch bowl of nachos. It's not, well, not they so bad. They have glam burgers here. Yeah, glam burgers. They got some stuff. I mean, whatever. Let's move on. Okay, so my lightning round this week... Yeah, lightning uh, Right, yeah. ...is a little similar to Frank's question. Okay. Uh, we're going to design Christmas games. Sleigh Ride. Oh yeah, this is one of those murder games where you uh, it's like it's like Carmageddon basically, but Christmas themed. It's like the video game Hatred meets Grand Theft Auto meets uh, your Santa on his sleigh and you've got machine guns. There's DLC on the PlayStation version where you can be the the scary clown from Twisted Metal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Blue Christmas. Uh-oh. Blue Christmas is a, is a, is a PC-98 game. Yeah, it's a PC-98 <laughs> uh, detective mystery or a cop. Yeah. Uh, so, there it is. And it's direct it's directed by David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be another Blue Christmas, Jerry. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Oh, uh you are um a weather reporter who never reports correctly that it's going to snow and people uh, get mad at you that it doesn't snow. And that just kind of sounds like a, a movie premise. Like he, he says it's going to snow and then the boss, the, the, the mafia is like, if it ain't going to snow on Christmas, you're dead. <laughs> I That's would watch movie. that Hallmark. I think, I think Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow is a puzzle game using wild levels say. of HDR graphics, yeah. like Tetris effect levels of particle effects. And uh, it's just like soft body physics snow that is falling around and collecting and you have to build a city underneath it with so blocks. I was, I I was going a different direction with the uh, the puzzle game idea which was it's only loosely related to the title because it's different shapes of snowflake and it's a it's a falling well puzzle versus puzzle game but you know you're like Santa versus a reindeer and you're trying to line up all the correct snowflakes together in Puyo Puyo style that was, that was my but it's much simpler Jingle Bell Rock Jingle Bell Rock it's a Christmas-themed version of that game, Rock of Ages, where you're just rolling rock and uh, knocking all these medieval people down, but it's on Christmas. Or, it's or it's a Katamari Damashi reskin. Uh, you're just rolling a big boulder, and you're trying to pick up jingle bells, but avoid spikes and hazardous objects. Yeah. And you're just trying to get the biggest jingling ball possible. Or it's a True Lies reskin um, and is based on the um, Schwarzenegger movie. Right. Excellent. Last Christmas... Oh man, this this is a uh, a new game in the Shin Megami Tensei series. Yeah, <laughs> Shin, it's <laughs> called Shin Megami Tensei Last Christmas. Yeah, and it's the and actual name of it, Shin Megami Tinsel. The, the series, oh, oh good no! Um, the the game the world's gonna end on Christmas, and yeah. you have to prevent it by talking to demons and stuff. And I'm ready to play it right now, to be honest. Well, is it is it only one day, or do you get to repeat it, kind of like uh, Oh yeah, Majora's that's Mask. Much yeah. yeah, you should, you should definitely be re- repeating it. Like, you, you get to the last Christmas, and, like, which of these Christmases will be the last Christmas? Like, when will we not be able to reset this anymore? Right. 
Excellent. And if you're like if you're fast enough when you wake up, you can actually catch Santa. Well, you you're gonna regret going with that theme for that one because the next is it's the most wonderful time of the year. Ah. Uh. Oh, clearly that's a uh, from the team that makes uh, the world dance with you. Twelly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the title's way too long. Like, right. we're we're never going to be able to market this game. Beautiful yeah. flying fairy. And so you you want to you want to market it by having the logo be like very difficult to read. Yeah, yeah, and then make the game kind of not very good and put a bunch of belts on everybody. Yikes! I think the most wonderful time of the year would be a kart racer uh, in the style of Christmas Nights with the characters who are like they look like they're designed by art students or whatever and they're not really very good and it's like that playable only in korean internet cafes in like 2005 and between every round is a retail uh commercial for a christmas sale good yeah exactly (laughs) uh rocking around the christmas tree Uh-oh. This this is also a kart racer, but it's all grannies and rocking chairs. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Well, I was oh, I, I was no. I wanted to change it to rocket around the Christmas tree, and oh, nice. uh, it's a rocket night adventure that's Christmas. Rocket sure. around the Christmas tree. I'd rather all play out. that. And finally, all I want for Christmas is you. It's a Mariah Carey video game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's a side-scrolling game yeah, that might actually happen playing as mariah carey and you got to jump on the heads of industry executives that try to keep you down no it should it, sh- it should be a parappa the rapper like uh directed by masaya matsuda with art by rodney greenblatt starring mariah carey oh uh, yeah wow. that'd be, you that'd be really good this. yeah that's what it should be i really want to level up my pitch as in like the the, the high notes that i can hit oh yeah those oh, are yeah. notes yeah you got to press true. the button like in track and field as hard right. as you can to reach whatever that <laughs> that dog whistle sound. Yeah. Maybe Britney yeah. Spears is in there somewhere for no reason. She makes a cameo. Just just spinning in a T-pose. Oh, whoever's on the record label that Mariah Carey's on. We get that. All right. Yeah. Tim, I'm going to give you the win this week for nailing oh. the Cheesecake Factory of video games. Congratulations. Oh, all right. I'll, I mean, whatever, man. I'll all take right. it. Good job. Does anybody have any plugs or recommendations? Uh, kill me, Jerry. <laughs> Spike my corpse in the nearby dumpster. After you shoot me in the neck with a bow and arrow, I would recommend all those things. <laughs> Frank, same, I imagine. Uh, having a good t- time with the new Yakuza. Oh, yeah. Having a good time spiking Tim's corpse right now. <laughs> um, you got a big pile of video game magazines. Uh, get in touch, Frank, uh, at GameHistory.org. Dot orgy? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, you know what I actually did? Uh, so actually, I don't know if this is a recommendation, though. Here's here's just new in the in the story, the evolving story of me versus products. I obtained a standing desk. Uh, it's one of those convertible desks that I, I have a little keypad on it. Watch this. You can't see it, but the desk just went up an inch. Uh, mm. It just went back down an inch. I can make the desk go up and down with this little electronic keypad. It's a real neat thing to have. I worked a little bit standing it yesterday. It was good. And also another thing, me versus products. I played a whole bunch yesterday while I was waiting for my video to render, which took like 12 hours. I played a ton of that Demon's Souls remake on the PlayStation 5 and I got to made some progress in it. And it's I don't know, that game's cool. Whatever. It's the Dark Souls demo tape. In case you were wondering, I don't know if you guys ever played that one. It's pretty good. The end. I'm going to recommend an album by a band that is a little... A little hard to pronounce because it's, I guess, Finnish or whatever. Fancy Finnish. Havukrunu, I guess, is probably what they're called. It's H-A-V-U-K-R-U-U-N-U. They got a new album. If you like the metal music that is of an of an epic nature while also being a little bit cheesy, they're, but they're very serious about it. 
it's pretty good. They got some, the first three, four songs are really excellent. The rest of it's fine. But the first several will really give you a fun time. So give that, give that one a look. They're new. Listen to the beginning of this Finnish album. That's right. Get you some asparagus. Whatever you do, just don't finish listening to it. Yeah. I recommend voting if you live in Georgia. Yes. Oh yeah. Please do that. Please. Absolutely. For Democrats only, please. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I don't think we have a large audience on the other side. (laughs) No, I if we did, it would be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got some recommendations here on uh, this most holy of asparagus weeks. I recommend <laughs> that if you're listening to iTunes or Google Podcasts or SoundCloud or any platform where you can subscribe to podcasts, that you subscribe to ours. You could Ooh. also leave us a review like Wolf Skywalker 666 did. He wrote, I hate everything about video game culture. And then it cut off, but he gave us five stars. Nice. Amazing. (laughs) You can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit, where you can subscribe at any level to submit your own questions, get episodes one day early, one day early, one day early, one day early, and even exclusive access to a monthly bonus episode and other exclusive content. Right now, we're collecting our final responses for annual Game of the Year ranking and Best Game of All Time Relitigation. So you can find links to our survey at forums.insertcredit.com or on Twitter. The show is at insertcredit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Tim is at 108. And Brandon is at Necrosofty. The show's editor is Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved. Kind of feel like factory nachos should be in the title of this one somewhere. <laughs> God, I love factory nachos. Oh man, there are a lot of title options in this one. Churning them out. Rockets around the Christmas tree is a pretty good title. Yeah. You gotta love the rocket. Esper, I trust your judgment.